0: Everybody, welcome to Threecast, episode seven. On this episode, we're going to be talking about Simon the Sorcerer. Um, I'm Elliot, and I'm Anton. And in addition to Simon the Sorcerer, we're also going to be covering some new adventure game news and other fun assorted things. <laughs> yeah, the fun, just the good stuff. Just the good stuff. We we, we've cut out all the boring bits. Mm-hmm. Just kept the good parts for you guys. Just, just for you. We work hard here at Three cast so hard. So <laughs> work hard, Anton, hard. <laughs> work hard, yes. Play hard, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Anton, how has your life been since the most since the uh, <laughs> most recent episode? <laughs> well, <laughs> getting so, tongue tied already. This is a bad start. So I basically died to the world and went into lockdown uh, mode and did research for like two weeks, and then I passed the scary deadline. Now I'm alive again, and I played Simon the Sorcerer. Also, <laughs> the other important life event, the life milestone that's happened in the last month, is that Nintendo Nintendo decided to release the new 3DS with faceplates. I've been waiting for this for like a year, and it's finally happening, and I'm so happy. And it's in the mail right now. Yeah. Do you know where it is exactly? It is in Oklahoma City. First, it was in Kentucky, and then it was in Tennessee, and they moved to a different city in Tennessee, and now it's in Oklahoma city. So is this going to be one of those things where you get it and you put it on your DS, and then you're just like, eh, it's it. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, it's supposed it's supposed to the new three DS actually is supposed to have better processing power, so some of the games like Monster Hunter that really push the system to its limits will probably run a little bit better. Mm. I guess, which will be fun. See, I thought you were just getting face plates. Like uh, you're well, getting a whole new DS. I, yeah, well, it's the 3DS that's compatible with the face plates. It's like you can import the face plates, but they don't attach to any 3DS. Oh, okay. All right, room. I thought. Okay, this makes a little more sense. I thought that you were sitting on the edge of your seat waiting for. Pieces of plastic to come in the mail, no, so you no, can no, put no. it on your it's DS. an actual console. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, see, that makes it, a little more sense. The, the, I couldn't import it because Nintendo region locks all of their systems now. Right, it right. Like, I can't get it. Nintendo, please, Reggie, why? But now Reggie has heard my pleas, and, and life is good. Okay, I guess I should. Did you say that already? <laughs> that what? it was a, the faceplates DS, not the faceplates. Yeah. It was okay. the faceplates. Should... The console, the console itself. It comes in a package with two pairs of faceplates, and I already have ah. a third pair, so I'm ready to faceplates. I will change it out every single day because I can. <laughs> All right, sounds good. I should pay more attention. Like as soon as you say faceplates, <laughs> I just well, kind of like turn so the static on my end. <laughs> i I've been complaining about it for so long at right this point, I, I just, say it, tune it I, just at this I just point. start saying I can't wait for face it was just right. like it's yeah, and then I start thinking about other things, <laughs> like did what? I go to Wendy's twice today? <laughs> cool, well, um, my life since the last episode of Threepcast has pretty much been uh going to work and eating and working on Earthbound. <laughs> Those are three important <laughs> but, things. The three most important things in life. But I have good news. As we speak, uh, Earthbound Episode 6 Part 2 is going through the final stages of being prepared for all you foos on the internet. Yeah. I am uploading what is almost the final cut for final sound balance checks and sending it to a few people to make sure everything's hunky-dory. And within a few days, it will be public for everyone to enjoy. So, probably by the time you're listening to this earthman episode six will be out so oh, go man. watch it i and you all may be wondering how far will this episode go into the plot of the game yeah well you'll have to watch and find out oh ha ha ha, ha didn't ha, think ha. you'd say that, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> <laughs> that that's all yeah um yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I I can't think of anything else interesting that's happened this month. Um, yeah, how is life? How is life in the desert? Oh, you know, it's living the, in the desert. your tumbleweeds roll by your office every day. Oh yes. You just have have, have this window in front of your desk that just like is desert and like those little cactuses and tumbleweeds and that's all. That's the yep. view. Okay. Cody and the Roadrunner. Yeah, yeah get to watch them go at it every day. <laughs> Sounds That's like Benny the best job. He comes by asking if he can make a left turn at Albuquerque. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um so yeah, let's move on to news. There's the news. Another action of adventure. Okay, so um, here's the latest adventure game news from the month of September. Sorry, <laughs> I had to burp. Let me try that again. <laughs> this is the news. There's the news. Another action-filled adventure. the news. All the worst from the world convention. <laughs> okay. So, uh, we're going to talk about a couple of. Pe- I know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. The All, the the world All right. So, here's a few pieces of adventure game news that have. <laughs> <laughs> That was your fault. That was your fault. Okay, I'm not going to look at the monitor. I'm not going to look at the monitor. (coughs) (laughs) Now I've got the giggles. (sighs) All right, so here's a few pieces of adventure game news that have come out in the last month. Um, As per usual, uh, the latest scrap of Day of the Tentacle Special Edition news. um, (laughs) Double Fine recently announced that um, the rumored uh, mostly complete version that the LucasArts uh, Korea team was working on. uh, This was the team that did the Monkey Island 1 and 2 Special Editions. It was rumored that they had a Day of the Tentacle Special Edition that was about 80% complete. And then Double Fine was just going to salvage what they did. But it sounds like Double Fine is not going to use any of their assets. They're building their new Day of the Tentacle totally from the ground up. So, what do you have to say about them apples? Well, so they... But <laughs> <when> I, re- <laughs> I read the, I read the uh, article on Mix and Mojo about it, and they, they made oh, it yes, sound right, like there, sorry. they were careful to say, to not confirm or deny the existence of the previous build of the game. But rather just to uh, emphasize that this version of the game will be using all new assets. But they can't say yes or no. (laughs) (laughs) I think, well... Oh, yeah, but other than that... In this particular article, they're not confirming or denying the existence of this other game, but I think in a previous post they did confirm that it existed. Yeah, oh, okay. I think, like, a while ago they did confirm that... I just hope that they stick to the uh Chuck Jones art style that it, it felt like they were going for in the original game. Right, that's my hope. That would be really cool. Whoever's working on the du- on the double Fine team for this that they should be aware of like what the game's original influences were, hopefully. So I, I would hope that they would like lean even closer to that kind of Looney Tunes look instead of trying to go in some totally different direction. Mm mm-hmm. mm me too also I apologize I said it was the Korea team actually it was from Singapore so wow (laughs) my bad (laughs) got my got my countries confused you know eastern Asia somewhere over there by Japan (laughs) I saw a globe Um, recently and I was like is Japan that big (laughs) this is this has been my life experiences (sighs) I for some reason I just thought it was these tiny islands but they're actually substantially larger than I thought yeah, Anton, I just recently heard you're going to Japan, aren't you? I am going to Japan, sort that of. That is so exciting. I'm going to Singapore, coincidentally, right. for a, a computer science conference. And then on the way back, the, the plane goes through the Japan International Airport. So I'm just going to stick around there for like a day and just horse around in Japan and then come back. I'm pretty jealous. I'm it's going to be great. I'm going to buy so many faceplates... <laughs> what I'm what I'm gonna do. So, <laughs> what I'm actually gonna do is I'm gonna get a giant luggage set and just go out and buy all of the amiibos, which are plentiful in Japan, and get just get all this luggage and wear wear a black hat and some sunglasses and get through customs <laughs> with all the amiibos and then proceed to sell them all on eBay for hundred dollars a pop and it'll be great. I'll be filthy rich. I mean, rich. that's the, you could do that. I could do it. I could do it. We're gonna have to have a section on the podcast Anton's Japan report. <laughs> there, I Pack didn't about see all any the... adventure games in Japan. It was all waifus. <laughs> it was all garbage tier waifus. It was all garbage tier waifus. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so um, that piece, yeah, like you said, that piece of day of the tentacle news was uh, from Mix and Mojo. Um yeah. Something else from Mix and Mojo that I just noticed while I'm on the website. Um, apparently, Telltale is going to be re-releasing their Back to the Future game in honor of the movie's 30th anniversary that's coming up next month. And what's significant about this is that they got Tom Wilson, the guy who plays Biff Tannen in the movies, nah. to do the voice of Biff in the game. Because originally, it was done by an imitator. <gasps> and so somehow they're now going to, I guess, re-record everything for Biff in the game. Yeah. Using Tom Wilson. Which uh, should wh- be amazing. I just want to know if they're going to fix the disappearing DeLorean glitch. <laughs> yeah, okay, well, see, they're re- the fact that they're re-releasing it as, like, a new edition, Back to the Future of the Game, 30th Anniversary Edition, I'm hoping that this means they'll fix all of the game-breaking bugs that were <laughs> in it from the first. Well, okay, I guess game-breaking bug is a little extreme. There Exper- were several well, debil- it breaks you it, out of the experience. It, yeah, it was an. Exp- there, were, there were several experience-breaking bugs, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, we should review back to the future. Yeah, see I've never played it. I just sort of saw you playing the first bit of it. Right. I think that would be an interesting topic for an episode. Yeah. The other night Anton and I were plotting out what games we want to do for the (laughs) like next couple of episodes and we got kinda carried away. So I think we've got like the next twelve months or so (laughs) booked (laughs) for adventure games.
1: Yeah. But if you if you want to suggest yeah.
0: Right, it's it's fluid. If you want to suggest a game for us to play, let us know at podcast at ridgwayfilms.com and uh, we will will work it into our schedule and play it and review it and love it. We'll love all of your games except you leisure suit Larry (laughs) you get to sit outside on the porch in the snow think about what you've done (laughs) Moving on, um, speaking of Telltale uh, Good Old Games is currently having a Telltale 75% off sale for a bunch of Telltale games yeah. like Puzzle Agent and Strong Bad's Cool Game for Attractive People. So um, if you are listening to this, it is currently September 26th. If you're listening to this within five days of us recording this, there is still time for you to get on Good Old Games and get these games at an insanely low discount. Mad sales. Okay. Mad sales. You get Strong Bad and Hector Courage Bad Show and uh, <laughs> both, both, both Puzzle Agent <laughs> games for like $15. so it's right, and I've only I've only played half of the games on this list. I've never played Hector, and I've never played Puzzle Agent Two. I so. I have I've always wanted to play Puzzle Agent. It really appealed to me when it came out, and they were like, "We're gonna make a WiiWare version," and I was like, "I like WiiWare. I will wait for the WiiWare version." And it never materialized. Then I just kind of never played it. We should I would like to one of these days. <laughs> I would like to replay Puzzle Agent in light of having now seen Twin Peaks. Because Ah. so much, so much of stuff that you experience in culture can be can be traced back to Twin Peaks, Mm -hmm. and so I would like to. I think it's also got a pretty heavy Fargo influence. So I would like to go back and replay Puzzle Agent now that I've you know gotten a little more familiar with where it got its you know inspirations from. Mm -hmm. All I I know is that Alex thought the gnomes were spooky. (laughs) I mean, they were pretty spooky. I never got the spook. I mean, they played, played, played the spooky. They played the spooky music whenever the gnomes showed up. So that's how you knew they were spooky, right? Okay. Um. Yes. What else? Armacrog comes out in four days. Are you excited uh, about that? I am quite excited. Like I didn't back it, but it's like I'll probably right. buy it because yeah, it, it, it looks it looks really cool. For those of you who don't know, Armacrog is um, the spiritual successor to the Neverhood which was a claymation adventure game that came out in the 90s that was, I think Doug Tenapel, the guy who made yeah, The Jim*, yeah. was involved in some way. Mm-hmm. So I have a, I have a, an Ill- illegitimate copy of The Neverhood. I've just never gotten around to, to trying it. Can you obtain it legally now? I don't the think Neverhood, so. Or is it still out of print? I'm pretty sure it's out of print. I think I looked it you up. Have to, you have to go through clandestine means to get the game or, you know, try to find it on eBay or something like that. You go into a dark claymation alley. <laughs> you have to get on the dark web. Oh. <gasps> so yeah. Anyway, yeah. the Armacrog <clears throat> is like the pseudo sequel to the Neighborhood, so it's mm-hmm. also claymation, has the same kind of look, and yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah, I was very impressed from what I saw during the Kickstarter. I will yeah. Probably get. All right. So Anton, do you have some adventure game news you want to talk about? Oh yeah, some games came out. One of them yeah, yeah, yeah. was a game that I've been actually following the guy on Twitter for a while. It was Jay Fullen, and he made a game about a clown named Dropsy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he just goes around and solves people's problems, and he hugs them, and it looks pretty cute. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, I guess the premise of the game is that there's this ugly-looking clown and then, and then there's the circus burns down, and everybody blames him, but it wasn't really his fault. So everybody's angry at Propsy, and he's just going around. <laughs> and he looks, because he looks really ugly, everybody kind of uh, shies away from him, and he just goes up and hugs things. And it's like, you have to help people solve their problems, and, and then there's things that ensue. But I haven't played it, so it looks great. So it is supposed to be a lighthearted, cute game, not a yeah creepy... Mm-hmm. Game with the clowns, <laughs> yeah, it's not supposed to it like it, ha- it. It can appear creepy, and some of the trailers play that up. But I think that that's kind of like part of the part of the shtick is that it lo- he looks creepy, like a creepy clown, but he's not a creepy clown. Uh, okay, so that was the vibe I got from yeah, the trailer. Yeah, yeah. Was that it was supposed to be like sort of like a like black comedy kind of game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, every all the, everyone in the reviews universally said it was heartwarming and the antidote to all of these cynical games we get these days. And it's the comments like that. <laughs> and the entire game is done with no dialogue or like actual actual words in it. It's all done like by pictographs. Ah, uh, like that. Uh, that homestar. Like, like 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 uh, where's an egg. Oh yeah, like yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say like machinarium. Uh huh, like that too just all well, cool yeah so it looks i cool. watched the trailer and it the the art style kind of reminded me of lucas arts like yeah that too. Like it looks day of the, kind of the tentacle right, full exactly. mm-hmm. so yeah it looks cool i'd I'd like to try it someday and then the other game that came out that i think was also kickstarter but i don't know as much about it is called stasis it's supposed to be a really good isometric horror adventure game mm. i watched the trailer and it looks really gross <laughs> <laughs> so I, I probably don't have the stomach for it. But if that sounds like something you'd be interested in. It's supposedly a must play for fans of sci fi space horror games. And I guess you play this dude and you go around and there's creepy things and you uncover them. And there's lots of body horror and cutting and there's <laughs> I, I know this because there's a picture on the Steam page with this guy with his spinal cord sliced open. Working type while he's typing while he's typing on a computer, so you know it's extra cyberpunk. <laughs> mm. mm-hmm. Lovely. Yeah, it's yeah. So if that sounds like your jam, it exists. <laughs> Stasis. Stasis. Everybody. Yeah, it's 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 too bad that our creepy Halloween slot for next month is already booked it, with the finest of fine wines of the adventure, finest of horror, horror adventure games. More on that later. Stay tuned. <laughs> Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Stay tuned till the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's it for the news. That was a lot of news. Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. Before we started recording, um, I was complaining to Anton. I was going through Adventure Gamers, looking at news from the last month. I was complaining, man, nothing happened this month. But <laughs> hey, we found some stuff. Yeah, just just for you. Just we sque- for you. We Only the, the juice finest out of the orange of life. <laughs> to give you the finest fresh orange juice Mm. no pulp no pulp uh let's talk about simon the sorcerer now okay oh actually (laughs) i kind of blew it anton was saying that we should include an intermission (laughs) in the podcast to kind (laughs) of give you guys a mental break so we're going to do an intermission and then when we get back we're going to review simon the sorcerer what okay we're back we back and we are ready to review simon the sorcerer simon simon um let's see do you want to talk about simon the sorcerer first or do you want to talk about adventure soft so uh, here's, the de- here's the deal. Here's the deal. What was originally requested for this episode um, by one of our listeners, Ubaldo, yeah. he asked if we would not only talk about Simon the Sorcerer, but look into some fun facts about AdventureSoft, the company that made Simon the Sorcerer. Let's, so we'd like to do that as well. Let's talk about that first, then get to Simon, and then focus a good idea. in on Simon's puzzles. Zoom, zoom in gradually on, on <laughs> the fo- pro- what will undoubtedly be the focal point of this. This cast. Right. <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling that the spoiler zone is gonna be a long one on this one. Oh gosh. Yeah. We're gonna have some we're gonna have some nice little like boilerplate statements about Simon without talking about anything specific and then we're just gonna I mean, unload it, let, as soon as we let us get... slip the dogs of war. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, so Adventure Soft. Um this is the company that made Simon the Sorcerer. Um they're based out of the United Kingdom. As far as I know, they are still around and kicking. Their website mm-hmm. is still up, and it looks like you can still order Simon the Sorcerer one, two, and three directly from the company, and as well as some of their older games, which they is kind of cool. They have the uh, the iOS port on the front page of their site, so I guess they're at least so somebody's at still least, updating it. Yeah, it. exactly. At least as alive as that. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the company was founded by Mike Woodruff, who worked on Simon the Sorcerer. And um, I'm assuming his brother, Simon Woodroff. Um, Simon Woodroff is now um, head creative director person at Rare, which is kind of interesting. Rare, you know, as mm-hmm. most gamers know, did, you know... Cool the stuff. Of the, best, b- the bulk of the best Nintendo games from the 90s, like Donkey Kong Country and GoldenEye and Diddy Kong Racing. Hey, man. <laughs> what about... Um... <laughs> Charlie's blast territory, <laughs> or or the Miles. What was that Astro Lane's game? Miles, Milo's Astro, Milo's Ast- Yeah, those classics <laughs> of our time. So anyway, Simon Woodruff is in some kind of like head position at Rare now, which you know is cool. Mm-hmm. Cool beans. Uh, it's weird because like you don't think about those two things kind of crossing over. Yeah, like Simon the Sorcerer and then Rare. Mhm. So who knows, maybe we'll get the ultimate Simon the Sorcerer rare crossover that... yeah. game. Yeah. That would be cool. Um what else? Oh. Uh, originally Adventure Soft was called Horror Soft because mm-hmm. they were developing horror games including uh one called <laughs> Elvira Mistress of the Dark. <laughs> <laughs> uh, unfortunately, again, we're booked for the Halloween episode. <laughs> maybe maybe so, next year Elvira maybe next year Elvira so I guess they decided they wanted to do other games besides horror so they changed their name from horror soft to adventure soft. <laughs> <laughs> maybe for the best um, yeah uh, their first game was a a tie in game for the film Gremlins <laughs> which came out in 1984 I don't know if that was an adventure game or not I don't know. I think that's about it for interesting facts. <laughs> so, so I, I've heard tell that they, they only did the first three Simon games, right? Where ha, how did they not? Where did how did the rights get transferred to whoever does it now, or has that been doing is it? that is a good question. I'm going to look up Simon the Sorcerer 4, which was the first one not developed by them, and see if it has anything. Yeah, no, it literally has nothing on this Wikipedia uh-huh. article. It says that it was developed by Silver Style Entertainment, and released by RTL Enterprises. <laughs> it doesn't have anything about why they took over developing the game, or I'm going or to like assume that. that somebody was like got their arm broken in a dark alley and had some toes cut off, and that now now that's how rights get transferred. <laughs> Simon the Sorcerer 4 is appropriate for ages three and up. Oh, okay, that's good to know. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Simon the Sorcerer four and five are kind of interesting for a couple of reasons. Um, the company that developed them has gone into insolvency. <laughs> <laughs> so oh. I actually I actually uh, tried looking into this uh, a few days ago to see if these games were still available. Uh, Simon the Sorcerer four is still available on uh, Good Old Games. Mm-hmm. However, Simon the Sorcerer five is not available anywhere as far as I can tell. <laughs> There are no copies on eBay. The company doesn't exist anymore. It's not being digitally distributed by anybody. (laughs) The only way I can figure out to get this game now is to just torrent it (laughs) from a shady website. (gasps) Shady business. That's a sad thing. We need to find this poor disowned game and play it just to give it some some probably angry comments. I really would like to just go through the whole Simon the Sorcerer franchise because it's a really interesting kind of like up and down kind of franchise if we get play one game per year we'll be be there in time for 2020 or something <laughs> yeah um so yeah for those interested in playing the other simon the sorcerer games five you're just out of luck four is on good old games and one two three you can still get from uh from the company yeah and they're, you they're, can all, also get, they're all on good old games except five. right except for five yeah, right that's where i got them and um, something else interesting I found out about Simon the Sorcerer while I was looking up information about it is apparently Simon the Sorcerer Six is currently in development by yet another company.
1: Oh who, yeah,
0: yeah, who's working directly with uh, the Woodruff brothers in uh, making sure that they get the tone right. Because I remember I remember hearing some talk um, when four and five came out that it wasn't really capturing the spirit of the early games. So these guys are apparently, like, you know, they're big fans of the original games, and they're, you know, being really careful to make sure they get it right. So the company is called Story Beasts, and um, I apologize, I didn't do as much research as I probably should have <laughs> before okay. recording this. From what I gathered, they're getting ready to do a Kickstarter for Simon the Sorcerer 6, but they're still uh, not quite ready to do that. Yeah, I kind of so... trolled around on their blog earlier. It sounds it sounds like yeah, they're they're prepping for the Kickstarter. They're sort of trying to right. accumulate a little bit of a following before they do that. Right, right. So it's like they released some music they had been recording and they had like the original design for Simon and then all the fans were like, This isn't looking like we imagined Simon, so they're like, Okay, and they went back and actually redesigned the character to make him mm-hmm. look more like they thought people thought he should, and it actually looked a lot better. Right. That's that's the great thing about the Kickstarter platform, you know, mm-hmm. whatever else you might say about Kickstarter's faults and flaws, it gives you, like, it, it completely eradicates the barrier between the developer yeah. and the fan base, so, you know, the fans pretty much can say, we like this, we don't like this, and, you know, they have a lot more control over, mm-hmm. you know, the final content of the game. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the time, the uh, developers can get distant and just stop stop paying attention to the fans. But it's like there's a little bit. You start off on a little bit uh, more open basis, right? Just because right. of the pitch format. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Also, um, they said that they're going to try to get Chris Barry back as the voice of Simon. Yes. Chris Barry is a, is a British uh, actor who's apparently you know pretty famous outside of Simon the Sorcerer. And uh, they haven't used his voice since the first game. And mm. personally, like from what I've heard of the other Simon voices, Chris Barry is my favorite. So see, I don't remember who... what he sounds like in Simon Two, but I liked him pretty well in this one. His voice is a little lower in Simon Two and Three. It's voiced by a different mm-hmm. actor. Yeah. Known, I think his name is Brian Bowles. Um, yeah, he's all right. He's. I mean, I I just prefer Chris Barry. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't have anything against the other Simon. They're both good. Yeah. Anyway, um, so that's probably pretty much all you wanted to know about the Simon the Sorcerer franchise. I'm excited they're making another one yeah. because, you know, I, I, I like these games. I like the sense sensation. Mm-hmm, you too. I'm, I'm pretty pumped. I Definitely watch out for the Kickstarter. Yes. Um, all right, do you want to do Wikipedia reading? Yay! Yeah. It's Sorcerer a one. fine tradition, a fine three-cast tradition. Yes. Phil's not here, so we're gonna Wikipedia Wikipedia. <laughs> we're we're gonna keep copy. Wikipediaing, Phil, until you come back and be on an episode. <laughs> right. No, those uh do you wanna put me on the the ninety minute timer or the ninety second timer? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll put you on the ninety minute timer and the ninety okay. second timer. Alright. Ready. SETI. You ready, Seti? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. Go. Simon the Sorcerer is an adventure game that was released by Adventuresoft in 1993 for Amiga and DOS. The game's name comes from the account of Simon the Sorcerer in Acts 8 from the Bible. The game includes parodies of various popular books and fairy tales, including Rapunzel, Lord of the Rings, Chronicles of Narnia, Jack and the Beanstalk, and Three Billy Goats Gruff. Simon is voiced in this game by Chris Berry, known for his roles in Red Dwarf and the British Empire. Uh, Several different versions of this game were created. Uh, originally came out on floppy disk in 1993 and then two years later, right before the release of Simon the Sorcerer 2, they went back and redid the whole game with voices and released it on CD-ROM. The Amiga version of Simon the Sorcerer received generally high ratings. CU Amiga rated the game 90% and praised the high quality graphics and how much fun the game was to play. Amiga Computing gave the game a score of 89% and also praised the graphics. The magazine also enjoyed the puzzles and detail in the game. Both magazines compared the game to Monkey Island 2 LeChuck's Revenge, but also pointed out that it is not a copy and is a quality product. Game Ranking states the PC version of the game has a rating of 86.3. You still got like 30 seconds Oh, okay Yeah, this was not a long Wikipedia article <laughs> <laughs> Okay Fair enough It's a fair call So, anyway cool. Simon the Sorcerer Yeah Um. So the plot of this game Now that we're getting into it Basically, you play a guy named Simon Just an average guy average british dude living in you know 90s britain whatever that was like in like a suburb question mark in the the he has a room with a bed you know and some posters (laughs) from some bands or something right so he goes looking for his dog in his house and the dog is up in the attic the dog has found an ancient spell book and simon picks up the spell book and he's like what is this he starts reading it and he like he Oops. you know inadvertently open he he inadvertently wishes open a portal to another dimension. He goes into the portal and finds himself in Magicland and immediately um gets kidnapped by goblins and they try to eat him alive, but he miraculously escapes. Mm-hmm. and then he runs all the way across town to a wizard's house, a wizard named Calypso. And Calypso has left a note for Simon in- informing him that he's been selected to participate in a highly dangerous quest. To uh, rescue Calypso from the evil sorcerer Sordid. And so Simon sets off on this magical fantasy adventure to become a wizard and rescue Calypso and defeat Sordid. Yeah. And if you can, like, cogently remember that that is your goal as you play through this game, you are a better player than (laughs) I am. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean, honestly, like, That's, it gets it gets so deep that gets, I just it, forgot. It, it Yeah. It Leonardo, so Leonardo DiCaprio would be proud. <laughs> with the, the depth, you just kind of forget what you're doing as you're going this through this game. You have to go deep. <laughs> but yes, let's uh, let's start with the positives. Okay, I, uh, I have a point. Anton, I, what did you think of this game? Okay, so I really, really liked the music. I thought it mm. was really top-notch. Like, I'm, I'm kind of a sucker for uh like melody-heavy or ballad-type soundtracks, or just tracks and songs, and that was, like, the entire soundtrack for this game. So I, I was grooving along for the whole time. <laughs> it was great music, the writing was really good, I liked all the voice acting, especially the guy... <laughs> There's this one guy who did, like, he did the, uh, the troll on the bridge, and he did the, uh, souvenirs guy, and he did, a. Uh, one other voice. He's, very, he's a very recognizable voice. He sounds sort of like John Candy, but like un, unsedatives. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, he was my favorite voice actor in the game. But all, <laughs> otherwise, all of the all the voice actors sounded very professional, and I, I liked them all. <laughs> the writing was really sharp. I thought it was all pretty funny and entertaining. And I felt like... The uh, even the world was really sprawling, and it helped to give it a really cool sense of place, like atmosphere. Because you'd just be wandering around in the woods, you see wolves running past, you see a squirrel climbing a tree. You get all these random touches that little touches that don't really need to be there for the game to be a game, but it makes it a lot more. uh, Makes it seem the world seem a lot more alive and fun to fun to explore. Yeah, so i'm I'm sitting here trying to figure out i know the guy the voice actor you're talking about and I'm trying to figure out he was one other voice he was that got on my nerves i'm trying to he I'm trying to place where I heard him though i was i feel like it was in the last third of the game mm like towards the end I feel like he was he was he the, the dragon oh I think he probably was the dragon, but that's not who I'm thinking of. See the reason I like the troll on the bridge stuck out in my mind was I don't know like what your game settings were like, but mine the music was turned up so loud I could barely hear anything he was oh. saying. Well, yeah, he he's was, he's very soft spoken. He was just like, oh, Billy Gruff Gruff. He just can't. You could barely hear anything he was saying. I mean, that might might have just been me. Like he was he was okay on my sound system, but he definitely skewed toward the quieter side of things. Right. So. Um. Yeah, I would. I would definitely agree with everything you just said. Um, the graphics were the big thing for mm-hmm. me that that stood out immediately. Um, like you said, like there were so many cool little graphical details that they threw in there that they you know weren't necessary for the game, mm-hmm. but it just made the world feel a lot more alive and like animated. Like woodland creatures kind of dancing around in the mm-hmm. background, and you know, ducks swimming around in a duck pond, yeah. and. Yeah, it was just a very beautiful game. Like the the backgrounds too were really nice. Like the whole thing was just really they had an amazing art team. Mm-hmm. Can, it was really really Can well- I just say though they took the expression rock face to heart. Every every, every exposed <laughs> stone surface in the game basically That's true. has a face in it somewhere. It's like right. there there are 100 plus faces. They're probably two hundred plus faces. There's so many faces. Like once you start looking for them, they're everywhere. (laughs) It's like why are there so many faces? I don't understand. (laughs) So now that I've spoiled the game for you, (laughs) you can't get it. There are rock faces in this game. Spoilers. It's like it's ruined forever. You can't not see the rock faces now. I noticed a couple, but I didn't like actively everywhere. <laughs> there's like the subtle like shading on the rocks. You'll be looking at it, and be like, wait, wait, no, it's a face. No, <laughs> there's screens with like five or six faces, and I'm like, stop, stop, you guys, get a get a grip, man. I would say I think that um, the possible downside to having like the the environments be so lush and have so many animations, it felt like there were a lot of like non-important screens that you had to walk through mm-hmm. which that was good for world building to make it feel like you're actually walking through this magical land and it wasn't like there was one screen per character mm-hmm. kind of thing but at the same time it, it felt like it took forever to walk to where you needed to go yeah like they give you a map in the game mm-hmm. but the map never like fully fleshes out every single place right. that you could jump it just picks a couple common like yeah. sections where right. there's a lot of roads that meet, and so yeah, some screens were, took w- took a while to get to, like the Swampling's house. Right. Yeah. They're, they're, yeah. But nothing's ever more than like four screens away from one of the map points. Like, it, it can yeah. be up to four four screens away, which is kind of a pain <laughs> when you need to get to the Swampling's house. I resorted to putting scum vm on speed mode to get through some of these screens. <laughs> uh, I was just but, I, yeah. I was enjoying the music so much. I didn't care. It's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the music was great too. Was great. I, I like the music. It so it's good. very catchy. Very nice to listen to. You're very whistle um, level. You passed, yeah, you passed yeah. the whistle test. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> so yeah. yeah um, visually and orally. Yeah. This game's great. Um, the game, uh, the the game's voices were great too, um, mm-hmm. except for like the couple that we already talked about. Like, by and large, all the voice acting is top notch. Mm-hmm. Especially Simon. You know, Simon is not annoying to listen to. Yeah, and that's that's really you know, important. He... Right. It's like in, um, in Gemini uh Charlie's voice was kind of on on the edge. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. Charlie. Well, yeah. Yeah. There were, Charlie didn't actually say that much. He didn't say that much, which is probably for the best. So some <laughs> some games have main characters that are voiced badly, and it's like oh, hard right. to play. But Simon was very entertaining <laughs> to be hanging around. You feel like you're hanging around with this cool guy. Hmm. Yeah, and and the humor was really good too. Yeah. Um, I liked all the dialogue options. I like the uh, offbeat verb choices too. Those those fun. Oh yeah, right. They kind of go for the Lucas kind of scum interface, but they use like a different set of verbs. Yeah, they don't have like which are less common. And... So they have consume and wear, mm-hmm. which actually do get used more than you'd think. Mm-hmm. It's more tailored toward the puzzles that they have in the game. Right, So you don't right. just get some verbs that, like you do in Maniac Mansion, which are used like, maybe once or twice. Mm-hmm. Right. But yeah, going back to the dialogue options, um, one of the things that I like about adventure games is... Games that will have dialogue trees mm. that gives you a bunch of like nasty rude options. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah like yeah. you're ta- you're talking to a character you're supposed to be commiserating with, and there's like all these really rude options <laughs> that you can say. Like there's a polite option in the right. <laughs> there, yeah, and then there's just these all these options that's like so sassy. It's just <laughs> even if you don't click them, it's great to just read them. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I enjoyed all the all the um, character interactions that Simon had with. You know, other characters of varying intellect. Mm-hmm. You know, you came across some characters that are just really, really stupid that you could be really rude to and not feel bad about. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> like uh Well yeah, I don't wanna spoil any mm-hmm. specific puzzles, but yeah, there were there were a lot of really funny interactions with other characters. hmm Um So yeah, I, I overall I really, really like this game. Yeah. Like, I enjoyed I enjoyed playing it. I enjoyed the puzzles and the humor and, you know, it was just a very, like, professional, polished presentation. Mm, yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Do yeah. We, do, do we want <laughs> um, to go into the spoiler zone immediately to talk about, <laughs> talk about problems? Because they're just specific things. Yes. I, I said earlier I enjoyed the puzzles. That was just kind of a broad, you know, uh, well, huge there was, brushstroke statement about the game. they were, were enjoyable puzzles. Yes. There were puzzles some. I li- that I had fun with. There were definitely that were puzzles satisfying. that they clicked, and you're like, "Aha!" Those, right? You get some of those. Get some of those. Get some of those. <laughs> then you had some other puzzles that yeah. did not click so much. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, there was so many puzzles that it were extremely arbitrary, and like. Or it would have done the game a lot of good if they dro- just dropped a couple of hints in, a couple more hints in there, like where Simon would yeah. prompt you, I need to do X. Then you'd be like, oh, right. then it wouldn't be such a pain. Right. I also had considerable difficulty with the fact that I didn't realize that there was a hotspot finder in this game. Oh, yes, we need to talk there about is, There is a lot of pixel hunting in this game. This is like one of the cardinal sins of adventure games, is games that have pixel hunting. There's a lot of uh, tiny... Minuscule objects that need to be picked up In this game, many of which look like they're part Of the background mm-hmm. So if you're not using hint book And you're not using the hotspot finder Pretty much you have to resort to Gliding over every pixel on the screen yeah. And hoping that something will pop up now There's an inventory item that's like Literally six pixels large <laughs> <laughs> and Like legit, there was one room That I was in in this game where I knew That there was something I needed in this room And I scanned the entire Room for hotspots and I could not find what I was looking for I had to go get on the <laughs> UHS hints which is the site that we used for hints <laughs> and it said oh yeah just you know go to this thing on the screen I'm like where is it I looked through the entire screen and I couldn't find it but now that I knew that what I was looking for is like oh there it is mm-hmm. it was like you know five pixels by five pixels yeah so I... there were, that was actually, that actually happened more than once so. Yeah, I see. I think I had a better experience with this game than, than Elliot did because I I was I so when I turned on the game I was like okay I want to save and quit immediately I don't remember why because I was just turning it on to see if I could so I, I started mashing all the F keys because that's what does it in a that Lucas Arts right. games right I didn't really remember he had these the postcard but right. so just just so you know F ten will put little stars on all the hot spots on the screen. And this made my game experience much more pleasant because I knew where all the pixel, pixels were, and it's like when right. you go to the filler rooms on, on the map, where it's just like landscapes that look pretty. You can you can know for certain that you haven't missed an item there because you can push F10 and nothing will happen, and you'll be like, okay, this room is good. So you put a little check by it on your hand-drawn map of the world. That's the other thing you have to do with this game. This mm-hmm. is very much a pen and paper game. Yeah. where you have map to draw is the map. Super huge. Make sure that you don't uh, get lost. Because, like I said, the map in the game is not all that helpful. Mm -hmm. So if you need to, like, know, oh, where were those woodworms? Yeah. You you really do need to draw your own map to get through this game. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of same-looking screens. Right. And the other, I guess the other reason it's helpful is because there are so many, like, puzzle threads that it's like, if you're drawing a map, you can be like, okay, this screen, you know, had this thing and this thing on it. Right, you can kind of check it off when you you solve the puzzle. When you do interact with everything in the room, then you check it off and you're like, I never need to go here again. Right. it simplifies things quite a bit. Although that actually did come back to bite me (laughs) at one point, where I assumed that I was done with a particular Uh, character when actually there was more to do. More (laughs) on that in the puzzle section. Um, Before we go over into full spoilers, and I want to play a little game with you, Anton. All right. so, as we both observed while playing Simon the Sorcerer, I mean, maybe we should go ahead and start the spoiler zone here, because talking about this is going to involve spoilers. As you and I both observed, this game borrows quite heavily from Monkey Island. It does, yes. I I, I started keeping a list. <laughs> so, oh man, do you have it in front of you? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> This is ruined what I wanted to do. Is I wanted to uh, have us go back and forth and see who could come up with more things that ripped off Monkey Island. I, I think I'm see? gonna. I may, I may win. You may win because you win. actually cataloged everything. I so let's go ahead and play the spoiler zone. Spoilers.
1: Signpost up ahead.
0: Welcome to the spoilers. The spoiler zone. Dun, 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 dun. I should do that. I should make a Twilight <laughs> Zone spoiler zone. Thing. Yes. Anyway, okay, so now we're in the spoiler zone. We're going to talk about puzzles. We're going to talk about story twists, except Simon doesn't really have that many story twists. Yeah. But more importantly, we're going to talk about how this game flagrantly, shamelessly rips up monkey (laughs) island at every turn. It was gentle references. Gentle There's an inspired by... It's sort of like Simon the Sorcerer is our Earthbound series two Upsy mm. Movies Earthbound socket. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's that that close. Like, there's a lot of bits that get basically lifted out of Monkey Island, but it does it, in, it does it so sincerely that I can't be angry with it, and it, it makes so, it fit into the world. Legitimately let me, enough. okay. Let me start listing off. All right. Every, instead, of, instead of making this a competition <coughs> Let me just list off everything I can think of All right. And then you can like jump in With the things that I don't touch on All right. So In Simon the Sorcerer One of the first things you have to do Is you have to go into a tavern to request the help Of some wise old mm-hmm. gents in the next room in fact, one of your conversation options is I Want to Be, a wizard. Wanna be a wizard, yes. which is a direct copy of Monkey Island's I Want to Be a Pirate, mm-hmm. right down to going into the next room to talk to some, you know, wise mentor characters mm-hmm. who just kind of sit there and send you off on your quest. It's like it's laid out. The rooms are laid out the same way. Even It's like you have two rooms. Exactly. You have people at tables. You talk to them and have oh-so-funny conversations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's pretty... Close. You had the fireplace there, you know. Yeah. So there's that. There's that. Um, the the uh, the shady geezer towards the beginning. They reminded me of Stan from Monkey Island. Ah, uh, I didn't think about that. The uh, the t- the two headed shopkeeper was definitely copying the. Uh, oh yeah. The mm-hmm. Fettuccini Brothers from Monkey Island One, the circus guys. Oh, uh, well, his shop reminded me of the shop from Monkey Island Two, the parrot guy. Oh, right. It was also kind of like that. It was, it, was, it was laid out sort of like that We have to mouse over everything and try to buy stuff. Right. So there's that. Mm-hmm. Um, the puzzle where you have to climb into a crate to get inside a yeah. fortress. Yeah. That was direct ripoff of Monkey Island 2. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, they did kind of redeem themselves with that one in a later game because I haven't actually played all the way through Simon the Sorcerer 3D. But apparently there's a moment in the game where he has to climb into a crate again to get into somewhere. And Simon looks at the camera and says, this is just a ripoff of the first Simon the Sorcerer game. And then he pauses and says, and I think those guys stole it from Monkey Island 2 anyway. <laughs> he just says that yes, in the game. okay, good. So that that makes it, that makes it okay. more okay. That makes it okay. You can't be angry if at you, it now. draw attention to how you're ripping off other things. What else? Um... Man, my list was a lot longer while I was playing it. So I felt like um Hmm. Maybe Anton, maybe you should jump in with one. Well, so I thought that the Swamplings house was like the Rum Rogers drinking contest. And instead, oh, yeah, instead it, of, it kind of... instead of, of it, pouring the drink in the bush, you pour it in you your just specimen have to put it jar. In a jar. Right. And again, it's on this so little is, little outcropping, you know, above a, above a cliff. You have to go through, mm-hmm. like, a trap door on the floor to get to find the thing you need. Right. Yeah. Yeah, there's that. Um, Sorted the has a final... torture chamber. Right, the torture chamber. The uh, the final fight with Sorted was pretty much a pretty heavy copy of the final fight with LeChuck in Monkey Island 2. The fact that if you don't uh, do anything quick enough, he, like, zaps you and sends you off to the next room. You have to come back. In fact, Simon's stance where he's like, don't attack me, Uh, is kind of similar. Yeah, it's true. Where he kind of puts his hands out in front of him. Yeah. The Lava River definitely made me think about Monkey Island 1, but it's not really close enough that I can say that they lifted it, because Lava, it's more of a Lord of the Rings takeoff at that point. Mm, Right, because you have to throw the one into the fiery pits of, Mordor, quote-unquote, quote-unquote Mordor, yeah. I did like all the Lord of the Rings references mm-hmm. in this. That, yeah. that amused me, especially oh, the Gollum thing. Mm-hmm. The uh, um, the gift shop. Okay, outside... I, I did think the, of another one. The gift shop oh, reminded ahead. me of Monkey Island. I'm trying. I did, never quite placed which part it was making me think of. Which which thing? The gift shop in the fiery pits of Rondor. That kind of reminded like me. One, it seemed like an out of place, like modern thing in an ancient setting, like they do at the end of Monkey right. Island too. Yeah, um, it did. No, it did remind me a lot of of Dinky Island, yeah. that kind of thing, where you feel like you're stepping into an amusement park for a second. Mm-hmm. That's not really quite fair, I guess. Oh, yeah. oh, and the dancing demons at the end are like the dancing monkeys. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much an exact copy of the dancing monkeys. Mm-hmm. When you're up in the mountains, um, the you were talking about the rock faces. That actually reminded me of the uh, the underworld in Monkey Island one. When you've got the navigator head, uh, around, yeah. you're going through all those rooms that have all the the face parts on the walls. Mm-hmm. That's what that reminded me of. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the faces become more prominent the closer you get to Sordid's tower, and I don't know if that, if that's supposed to mean anything, but they're basically all over the whole whole map. You know, I think that there was some mention in the game of how people had gotten turned to stone. Mm-hmm. Like, Calypso calls you on the phone at the end of the game and he's like, we've all turned back yeah. to normal. So I th- maybe that's what they were going for with why there were so many rock faces throughout well, the game. Well, because there are actual statues of people, like, uh, once you get to the snowy area climbing up the mountain. Right. Right. I guess that's supposed to be, like, a Narnia reference. Ah, uh, like yeah. Which. <laughs> yeah. Um, what else? Hmm. Did you have anything else on your list? I don't know. Just thinking about it just now, the part where you have to do the incantation to send the demons back to hell is sort of like doing the LeChuck voodoo doll. But that's oh not yeah, really. right, because you that's, have to collect all those things. Yeah, that's that's kind of dodgy. Yeah. Um. It definitely felt like LeChuck confrontation, just uh, thematically, stylistically. Right. Them. Yeah. 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 Also. Um, yeah. Just having to go through, like, the part with Sworded's Tower kind of reminded me, of, uh, puzzle structure wise, of, like, when you're on LeChuck's Ghost Ship. Mm-hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. I can see that. I think we're kind of reaching now. I yeah. think we're kind of beating a dead horse. I think we, we're at it. We got most of the big ones. <laughs> Honestly, just to be totally fair, I think Simon the Sorcerer does stand on its own. It's just no, yeah. there are several moments where you're just like. Yeah, that was for Monkey Island, guys. <laughs> this, yeah, the scum bar and climbing into the crate, and yeah. I think those are the two big things. The, the and, demon dancing. The, the demon at the dance, end. yeah, but everything else is kind yeah, of close, yeah. close enough. You know what's funny is um, Simon the Sorcerer 2, if we ever get around to that, that one doesn't mimic Monkey Island so much in terms of uh, puzzles. It mimics it pretty closely, though, in terms of story structure Mm -hmm. because the first the first act of the game takes place in like this like sea coast town Mm. and then like act two takes place on a pirate ship Mm -hmm. and then act three takes place on a tropical island (laughs) (laughs) yeah and then it gets weird and then it gets weird and so it's basically monkey island 2 yeah but i i like monkey island 2 enough that any game that rips it off that well i can't be angry at it right i know exactly it, it only it just drips off the finest bits. Right. So, yeah. Before we we before we dive totally into puzzle ranting, I just want to make another blanket statement that I did really enjoy this game. Mm-hmm. This is a solid game with funny writing, decent puzzles, you know, great graphics, great music. It's you know a really solid adventure game. It's definitely a lot to be said. Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> what, a game you can you can look up hints for without feeling ashamed. Though, right. Like, have have your UHS hints page ready. And feel <laughs> or no your shame. thirty or your thirty pound Simon the Sorcerer black and white monochrome hint book you, available from Adventure Soft. It's actually only like eight pounds. You can still buy it from their website. You can oh. you can buy the Simon the Sorcerer three hint book on CD-ROM. So go do it. Do before it before you play this game. You'll need it. Maybe, <laughs> yes, you will, yes, um so yeah, let's just go for it. I, uh, it. let's do best I... puzzles, worst puzzles, okay, <sighs> what puzzles did I'm gonna you have a hard like? time? I'm going to have a hard time picking a best puzzle. <laughs> I' had problems with so many of them. <laughs> I am going to say, well, hmm, I don't know if I should judge it based on best puzzle that made me laugh the most or best puzzle that I thought this was really well-designed, and I solved it on my own, and I felt good about solving it. Well, well, if you have one of each, then I say you should just go for it. Well, I, I... One of my, like, classic favorite puzzles from, like, the first time I played the game is throwing the watermelon in the sousaphone, Mm, uh it's so stupid. It's really entertaining to do, though. The sousaphone screen always cracked me up, like, even when I played the game the first time years ago, just because it's like you're walking through the forest and it's happy music, and then all of a sudden there's this guy who's playing a sousaphone really loudly and badly, just (laughs) kind of, like, smearing... (laughs) all his noise all over the soundtrack yeah. and then Simon just walks up to him and starts being really rude to him uh-huh. and then he just ref- then he just refuses to even be on the screen <laughs> so I, I have a soft spot for the sousaphone guy mm. <laughs> just arbitrarily I like that puzzle um, um, I can't think of a favorite puzzle that I just really loved <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean I solved about half of them on my own yeah. On average, I think I got through about half of them, either from just vague memories of playing the game the first time or actually figuring things out. I think I got through about half of this. Yeah. And then the other half I had to go get help with. Um, hmm... <laughs> Let me get out my map. Maybe if I look at my map, I will <laughs> jog my memory <laughs> well, of a Well, so, so my experience was that the puzzles skew either to be mind-numbingly easy or, like, ludicrously, like, arbitrary and difficult. And right. there are a couple in the middle that are like, okay, yeah, this is this, this a cool puzzle. It's so, like, I, I enjoyed the Millrith puzzle chain. Where you had, to go oh, yeah. get, you had to go get the guy to... You had to smack open the fossil rock and then give it to the guy and t- find a spot for him to dig for you and then you just kind of pick it up. You had to get the guy to hit... the forge guy to make it for you and then it's like, yeah. And then you go into the woodcutter's house and you find some... found a pig. You're like, yeah, I found a pig. <laughs> I'm looking at my map and I can't think of anything <laughs> I just really loved as a puzzle. <laughs> Well, how about how about the password for the Dwarf Mine? Well, that, see, they I did- remembered that. I remembered that one from the first time. Uh, I knew that there was a rock that said "beer" on it. See, I didn't remember. I, I don't. I wasn't really paying attention when you played the first time. So I, 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 I enjoyed that because it was like, oh, that's f- another thing they ripped off of Monkey Island. The alphabetical password list is kind of like the uh, Herman Throat thing. Yeah, other adventure games do that. They just have a really long list of things to say. Okay. But like, Monkey fair, Island but... maybe did it first, but I think I've seen it other places. It's right. Just like a funny okay, gag. Fair, fair enough. The, the dwarf password thing reminded me of Herman Toothrod's mm-hmm. philosophical puzzle. Anyway. It's a little ham handed because the beer rock is like right outside the cave. But it's but like. That's, a, that's one of the instances of pixel hunting. If you don't know to look right. for the rock. But it's like they don't cue you, you just sort of deduce it on your own. And it's like it's not too hard of too far of a leap for your brain to make, but it's like Right. So it's kind of satisfying to do it, even if it's not really that hard. Okay, I thought of one. Okay. I liked the puzzle where you distract the bartender and shove the hardened wax into the barrel. <laughs> because that was that was kind of oh. leaning on the edge. That was kind of leaning on the edge of being really stupidly obscure. But, like, I was just like, I'm going to try this and see if it works. And then it worked. Mm, and then I okay, got a barrel right, full of beer that, and was like, yes, I did that. Yeah, that's and I stupid, didn't get help. Fair. So, that was, okay, I'll say that's my best brother. Okay, all right. My least favorite puzzle would have to be putting the bucket on the head of the druid. <laughs> I was going to shining, say the same one. And shining the light. Okay, so just to give some context here. There's this druid in the torture chamber in the goblin fortress who says that he can turn into a frog if he sees a full moon. So naturally, your adv- the adventure game part of your brain leaps into action. You think, how can I make a full moon inside this goblin fortress? And the way you do it, it's so <laughs> stupid and it's obscure, you put a bucket on his head that has a hole in it, and then you shine You're, a hot poker, tor- a hot poker through the hole to make him see a full moon. It's like what? What? I thought you had to make Simon drop his pants or something. That was for my solution. To I actually <laughs> thought the same thing. <laughs> I was just like, this is probably... Well... Hmm. Yeah. This, the, this, I, I heard this, Simon say this, that doesn't work so many times in the Goblin the, Fortress. The truth is sometimes stranger than fiction when it comes to so Simon's probably, sorcerer puzzles. That was probably my least favorite puzzle okay. just in terms of just being so stupid. Like, even when you know the answer, it's like... What? Yeah, I was... Okay, so you stole mine. So I'm going to pick my second p- least favorite puzzle, was that you had okay. the... It was really simple. It was, all you wanted to do is get up on the roof of the dragon cave. Oh, yes. I also hated this one. So you you, so you don't know you want to get up on the roof of the dragon cave. All you know is that there's a boulder that you can click on. <laughs> and it's like, okay, oh. well, maybe I need to like tie a rope on it and climb up or something. And you have a rope, but he won't tie it on there. And you have a ladder, you also and he's have like, a it doesn't look stable. I'm not going to put my ladder on that. But what you do is you have to go and pick up a hook. It's a hook by itself from the dwarf mine. And then you throw, and then he throws it up on top, and you then com- it has a rope. you suddenly. combine it with the rope? No, you don't. You just use the hook. Oh. And it has a you rope just use suddenly, the hook? magically. And then oh, you can okay. climb up on top and it was the, the stupidest puzzle. What what made me angry about that puzzle was not just the fact that you had you know two other items that would have worked just as well to get up on top of the cave. But you don't know why you're doing it. No, well, see I knew why I was doing it because you you, you tie the rope to the magnet. I remember it's all coming back to me now. You tie the rope to the magnet, but if you go into the dragon cave at like ground level, mm. you're supposed to like try to you know attach or attract the gold coins towards yourself. But for whatever reason... He won't you know, use no physical... the magnet in, inside the cave. Right, you have to go up on the roof and lower it through like a skylight and grab the coins through the roof. But it's like, you know, except for the fact that the, the designers had this puzzle in mind. Like, logically, why would this not work if you were just standing in front of the gold coins also why does he run out of gold coins like you're pulling up more and more and then he just says I can't get anymore you go back into the ground level and there's this giant pile of coins <laughs> it's like I just move around to the other side of the hole or something I don't know how hard can it be man also he says everyone knows that gold isn't magnetic and then he goes and proceeds to pick up the gold with the magnet it's like right. you're just talking what? about how bad this puzzle is <laughs> That's true. He did. He just kind of like, he outed it as a bad puzzle. But if you say it, then it's not bad. It makes it okay. It's like the puzzle at the end where you throw the matches into the empty, non-flaming pit. He's Mm -hmm. like, yeah, there's no way this is going to work, and then it works. Yeah. At that point, so after you get into Sworded's Castle, your inventory is reduced, and I think that makes the rest of the game bearable. Right. The fact that you have so many rooms and so many items in the first part of the game kind of makes it like feel. It just makes it really overwhelming. It makes well, it makes the puzzles that are arbitrary feel more painful because you don't know if you missed something somewhere else. Because it's like you have no idea. Did is there some small like thing of mints in some room <laughs> that I just didn't pick up? So um, you mentioned the Swampling House earlier. Mm-hmm. I want to call foul on the puzzle where you have to put the stew in the specimen jar simply because when you first go in and you go through the cutscene the first time and Simon sits down and eats the Mm. stew, it goes on as though the puzzle will just cycle endlessly, so he'll just keep eating stew forever until you do something. Mm -hmm. That doesn't give you any indication that you'll you'll reach a certain point where Simon will just refuse to eat any more stew. Mm -hmm. See, I didn't know this, so after the first go-around of eating stew, I'm like, oh, I'll put some stew in the specimen jar. The thing is, he won't put the stew in the specimen jar unless you've already exhausted him from eating stew. (laughs) So it's like... (laughs) <laughs> you have to sit there and make him eat stew over and over, and then he, the characters will just refuse. I'm not going to eat any more stew. And then at that point, he puts the stew in the specimen jar. So I'm like, why? So I, this is that. I think that was the that and the sousaphone puzzle were the only puzzles I remembered from when you, from when you played this game the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so the I... other thing I, I need to complain about <laughs> okay. is how, why there are so many trap doors and secret <laughs> passages in people's houses. This, know. when I said earlier that I thought I was done with a character, when you give the woodcutter the Milrith axe and then you go in and get the the wood peg out of his house, you assume that's all there is to do. Well, there's a and hook I, and there's a fireplace, and I'm like, okay, right. obviously I hang something on the hook, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Right. I was thinking the same. I was thinking the something. same way. Like, do I get it? I was like, okay, I need wood for the wood lice. I'll pick up wood out of the extinguished fireplace. Take it to them. Right. But no, you move the hook, and suddenly there's a secret passage to wood shelves that doesn't need to be there. And I'm all for there being random, stupid, secret passages, because that's awesome. But it's like, they really needed to be more of an indication of how you get down there, or more of a sense making way to do it than just push on this hook like if yeah. it, it had been like a loose brick in the back of the fireplace it would have made so much more sense be like, that is totally fair and push in the loose brick and be like yeah right. but no yeah, that, that was one of my other least favorite puzzles yeah that, yeah, that one kind of annoyed me just because there, there was no logical indication in the game that I had to move this hook to oh so there's a secret passage in this average woodcutter's house silly mm-hmm. me <laughs> foolish foolish player what else? <laughs> okay, here's one. <laughs> <laughs> Using the Rapunzel Repulsor pig on the truffle door. Right. I actually got that one. I didn't have trouble with that I one. I had so much trouble. I was like, what am I doing with this pig? I have no <laughs> idea what to do next. None of, I can't solve any puzzles. And I got an UHS hint, and they are like, well, obviously use the pig on the truffle door. And I was like, ah. I don't know. That one made sense <laughs> <Okay>. to me. <laughs> here, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Here's another one. Killing the snowman by eating mints. Mints are associated with coolness and cold in my brain. Who thinks of mints as fire? I don't know. Oh, can we say that's another Monkey Island ripoff, is having breath mints? I don't think the act of having breath mints can be... (laughs) Okay, fair enough. I'll I'll lay off on the Monkey Island (laughs) connection. Although I, I actually admit I did think about that. So last night, Anton was trying to get through the rest of Simon the Sorcerer, and it was really late. And Anton, I almost, I considered recording this because I thought it was kind of yeah. funny. Anton was in kind of a grumpy mood just because of other stuff that had happened that day. And he was playing through Simon the Sorcerer, and I'm trying to gently nudge him in the right direction with the snowman puzzle. <laughs> he just gets, <laughs> he gets so mad when he finally realizes, I can't I I can I can see what's going on because I'm working on other stuff, but I hear him say, wait why am i suddenly eating breath mints wait why am i breathing fire this is the worst puzzle (laughs) it's like i said literally said use mints on snowman and it didn't do it it's like you guys how am i supposed to know to stand on this screen and consume mints it's like the worst okay here's another one i hated once you get the wood out of can i go next i have one more let's get the wood out of the woodcutter's house and you, you put, the okay, they said they wanted mahogany, so that's fair. So you get the mahogany, right. you get to the wood lice. Right. Now you get, get wood lice. Little did you know, you have to use the lice on the floor in the Rapunzel Tower on the floorboards. Right. And I'm like, I have a handsaw. I could just saw through the floor. I tried this <laughs> earlier because you can highlight the floorboards. So I was like, I need to get through the floorboards. I have matches. I'll just light it on fire. You know, that'll be good. None of these things work. Any of these things could work, but you have to do it with, with lice because with lice. I think this would be a good juncture to talk about a general problem with adventure games. This is not unique to Simon. I feel like most adventure games, there you reach a certain saturation point where you get so many items in your inventory mm-hmm. and there are so many puzzles that you start to, like, see puzzle solutions where there aren't any. Yeah, yeah. Your items are so generic that you could use them mm-hmm. in other situations where the game designers didn't intend you to. Right. And there's just, like, so many... But because, like, they saturate the game with so many items and so many puzzles, they can't think of every possible thing that the player might try. hmm So it ends up feeling frustrated when, you know, like you said, you're in the tower, and then you have all these items that could help you get through the floorboards, but none of them work except for wood lice. hmm So... I don't know. Those just a side no, way. yeah. I mean, I mean it's, lots it's lots of true. games have this problem. I mm-hmm. mean, it's just sort of yeah. I mean, it's Lucas games were very usually very good about this, like, with a couple of exceptions. Usually, they don't you don't have this issue where it's like because they throttle it down, so it's like they give you a chunk of rooms that you go through, and then they take away some of your items, and you go to the next chunk of rooms. Right. And you just keep the most relevant stuff, and they're pretty good about keeping it focused I think also they had a pretty good variety of puzzles mm-hmm. to where like right there weren't things the action that you have to perform for the puzzle is unique in itself that you the yeah. chances of you trying to use the wrong item that could work you know are a lot lower mm, that's, that's true I feel like I had some other general grumble I was going to have but I, I don't know. So, so earlier I was mentioning there was a room that I was going through that uh, I scanned the entire room for hotspots and I couldn't find anything. In Sordid's Tower um, you have to, when An- Anton, like Anton was saying, you have to perform this spell to send some demons back to hell mm-hmm. you have to find a mouse Oh yes, so this I, was the I stupidest knew... puzzle Like I knew I what I... I was looking for I knew I was looking for a mouse hole that was obvious I was in the room with the mouse hole on the screen and I scanned the entire screen looking for the mouse hole and I could not find it <sighs> And I had to go to UHS Hints to make sure I wasn't crazy. They're like, yep, it's in this room. I'm like, what? So then I go back, and then I'm like, oh, wait, there it is. Can I talk about the fact that they say you need a human skull for the the, And there's a human skull right there in the same room, and you can't pick it up. Yeah, also about the fact that to get the mouse, you had to put a sock in a bag. (laughs) And then that makes a mouse come. I don't know why. Well, it's like you use that the one, bag on the hole and it doesn't work. You hold the sock up to the hole and the mouse comes out and tries to eat the sock. And they're like, why is this happening? So I put the sock well, in the bag and they're like, I have a mouse. See, because if you look at the sock, Simon says it smells a thousand-year-old gorgonzola. So you're like, um, oh, this sock smells like cheese. I didn't, so I didn't, I knew, I didn't think to do I, that. I knew I had to use the sock to get the mouse. And then I kind of worked from there to think, oh, well, I need this bag to... Can we, Sorry, I thought I was going to lay off the Monkey Island. you remember the puzzle in Monkey Island where you have to catch the mouse? Oh. When, in Monkey Island 2. When does this happen? In in On the Scab Island in Monkey Island 2 when you have to catch the mouse. Mm. With, the, with the Cheetos. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I feel like I'm reaching again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got one. It's the, wit- the witch duel. It's exactly like sword, sword fighting, sort of. Yeah, except they don't give you any training. They don't give you training what. and there's no indication of, like... You just kind of get get lucky. Right. It's like, okay. Also, this is this is not really a complaint against them, because they could have just used the same sound library. But the zoom sound effect, oh, when yeah. uh, Simon turns into a mouse and goes through the mouse hole, that was from Day of the Tentacle. Now, there's another sound also somewhere else in the game that I noticed, but I don't remember where it was. Yeah. It was toward, toward the end of the game. But yeah, that's not really a, a complaint or anything. That was just something I noticed. I was like, oh, yeah, that, that sounded like Day of the Tentacle. There's also a little bit where, like, once you get into Sordid's Castle before you return to normal size, that I was really struggling with the interface. I had a lot of problems right here we in the garden. Yeah. you we trying to get across the puddle. Like, to get the lily pad to the shore so you can get on it, all you have to do is say, pick up lily pad, then he'll jump in the water and pull it to shore. But it's like, if you say, move lily pad, that won't work. And it's like, right. I, he, fall, I had he the... falls off of the... Of the uh, the faucet. The faucet handle involuntarily every time you climb up. So I'm like, okay, um, do I need to try to find a way to sit up there, or is he just trying? Are they just trying to tell me that there's nothing I need to do sitting on top? It's <laughs> like, what is what is what? I also like that uh, you make that sail for the lily pad, but physics-wise, it's like, how does this sail even work? Yeah, it's like okay. It's like what's it? What's holding it up? Mm-hmm. It's like it doesn't make any sense. It's it's very silly and then you get eaten by the also frog and the it plays like a 30 frog. second animation and it's like what am I supposed to be doing here when I keep getting eaten but you have to go did, find that tiny little tadpole well, I found the like, tadpole because I, I had F10 my old friend F10 but it's hmm. like I, I don't know, I, I finally figured out you can press escape to skip over the little animation of him being naked because oh, he, I would, didn't realize he that. would shuffle back over to the side and it would take like 20 seconds every time and I'd be like I just wanna I try again. I wanna try a different different verb. <laughs> just <laughs> I just I had to turn Scum VM on speed mode again <laughs> every time. It was bad. It, it take that animation takes so long. It was ridiculous. And it wasn't even that funny the first time. I know. They make you watch this thirty second animation of Simon being naked. It's like okay. Anyway, um uh, I think the mouse hole was the last thing I wanted to rant about. Yeah. Because I, I think I've had most that, that of my, whole, my Puzzle gripes. And I mentioned earlier you have to have a human skull for uh for that spell that you need to cast, but there's like a ton of skulls that are in easy reach inside Mm. the the castle, but like they don't even deign to make them hot spots. They're just parts of the background. You have to go find this other specific skull that they had in mind. Yeah. And then you have to poke it off the ceiling with the spear or something. It's like okay. (laughs) Right. Maybe maybe they're all, the rest of them are like animal skulls, like ape skulls and things, and you just can't tell because they're all small pixel files. Oh. There you go. I, I figured it out. Figured it I, out. I solved that puzzle. Maybe we're actually just complaining about nothing, and this is all just like... We're just bad cultural. at video games. This is all just cultural references, part of Great Britain that are just getting lost in translation uh. for us dumb Americans. <laughs> we're just dumb Americans. <laughs> you know, dumb Americans. Oh. Uh. So I think I'm done. I think those are all the puzzles that really irritated me. Yeah, mostly. I did have a hard. I did ha- see this why, is something else why that I probably have trouble. Why did they give you that whiz wallet if you only use one item from it? <laughs> I mean, why did they um, talk, talk? I guess I guess they had to the, the joke of all the goofy like kid fun club subscription stuff that you yeah, right. used to be able to get. And I think that they were maybe. I said I was going to stop. I think they're maybe riffing on Monkey Island how, like, Mm -hmm. you get all that pointless tourist stuff that everybody gives you throughout the game. Like, Stan loads you up with all of that junk that, like, you end Mm -hmm. up not needing any of it except for the compass. Anyway, Mm -hmm. yeah. Like I said, by and large, (laughs) these are just individual puzzles that just kind of really irked me. Yeah. I felt like they were a lot of puzzles that are. Sorry, I, I, the, I felt like the game wasn't really being fair just because of the saturation we talked about earlier where it just yeah. it gives you so much and asks you to solve so much that it just be, kind of becomes and I, I was doubly lost because I didn't realize I had that there was that hotspot finder so this is something else that you probably didn't have trouble with um, because you had the hotspot finder um The part, the screen where you have the two cliff faces and then they're like the vines that you can crawl down to get to the the Tolkien Society down in the valley. (laughs) Uh I knew that that was there because I remembered it from the first time I played the game. I didn't realize all you had to do was walk to vines and then he would just Yeah. I was trying to use the ladder to get down there, use the rope, use, you know, whatever, just use it on the the chasm. But I didn't realize that there was this little patch of vines on the bottom left corner of the screen. All I have to do is walk to them. Yeah, well, it's like yeah. I mean, they had to make it a hotspot, or else you'd like never realize you had to walk to them. But so it's like, yeah. well, I didn't even know. I didn't did... even know it was there because I didn't have the hotspot finder. There are a lot of puzzles that would have been incredibly painful, except that I lucked into them completely. Like I had the whistle when I went to talk to the troll oh. on the bridge, and I had this the swampling stew when I went to go talk to Gollum. Yeah, see, this... it's like these things would these are awful puzzles, but it's like I just got lucky, so they weren't awful for me for in particular. This is a different kind of complaint that I have against the game's puzzles, is that there were certain points in the game where they were just unusually merciful to you, where they would hand you the solution, like when you're talking yeah. to the troll, and he says, "Is that a whistle?" And then they just like lead you directly into the solution to the puzzle. I was already kind of thinking along those lines. It's like, uh-huh. oh, I'll use the yeah. whistle to get my giant friend to come help me, but they just hand you the answer. And mm-hmm. it's like, why are you being so nice here and you're so hopelessly right. cruel? <laughs> it's just like it's like it's like some of the puzzles are ridiculously difficult and then others are just like fall out of bed easy. Right. Like when you go you go into the little hut and you get once you use the repulsor on the truffle <laughs> door, you get the smoke. You get the little smoke machine, and you get the beehive right. hat, and then the beehive is outside, and you just use them, and then it's like, okay, that was like ridiculously right. easy. Right. There was no, there was no thought involved there at all. There, it's just it's not really a puzzle at that point. It's like, but it's like there was not. They, yeah, I mean, they didn't really have a sense of balance about crafting the puzzle design. Right. But I will just say. If you're willing to sit... Uh, if you're willing to walk through it with, like, a guide or whatever, it is it is a sincerely uh, entertaining game. Yeah, I think, like, I'm willing to forgive all of the insane puzzles for the fact that it's so funny and the fact that it's yeah. so nice to look at. And, you know, by and large, you know, you can forget about the bad puzzles. You know, there are a lot of mm-hmm. decent, fun puzzles in this yeah. game. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I would definitely recommend this game... I think that it's you know rightly hailed as a classic. It just got a lot of problems. Mm. <laughs> it, it does have it has problems that kind of drag the game down. But if you if you're willing to cheat, then it's it's a lot of fun. Right. <laughs> oh, if, yeah. <laughs> so there you go. if you had to assign, if also, you had to assign I really a like letter, letter what? 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 Oh, I was gonna say. Also, I really like the music. Oh yeah, you said that already. Yeah, I, I was just gonna say it again. It's so nice, worth saying twice. So yeah, I'll say it again. Whoa, the music—the music was so great. It, so, if you had Whoa. to assign a letter grade to this game, what would you? Well, how would you rate this game? Mm, I would give it a B. Hmm, I was also thinking in the B range. I was gonna give it a B plus. Yeah, okay. I think the amount of polish. That this game has kind of like mm. gets you, gets right, you past okay, some okay. of the uh, the problems that it has with its puzzles. All right, that's like, true. I am not considering in my ranking rating system the uh, the truly terrible adventure games that do exist. <laughs> well, so like the A range is like every Lucas Arts game, <laughs> except, except the for D. the Dig. <sighs> yeah, and maybe, maybe Zack yeah, probably or Indiana and Jones in the Last Crusade okay but most lucasarts games yeah anyway um i think we mentioned this earlier um simon the sorcerer is still readily available but not just for pc you can also get it for your iphone and uh your iphone (laughs) iphone Uh, i don't know how you would get (laughs) through it like (laughs) you thought picking up things like the rock (laughs) the rock that says beer and the shopping list were bad on a Computer screen. I don't know how you'd do that on an iPhone. Yeah, you'd pretty yeah the match the matchbox and the, the yeah you'd phone. pretty much be totally reliant on a hotspot finder of some kind. Mhm. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Hopefully they include right. that. Right. But... Yeah. Definitely worth picking up. Yeah. Just make sure you've got a guide handy. Yeah. Pretty great. Pretty great. So um. Next time on Threepcast, we are going to be... So, next month is October, so that means that we need to be ramping up for uh, Halloween. So, we're going to do a spooky horror game in honor of Halloween. And we are going to kick off our first Halloween-themed episode with... One of the most infamous horror games in the adventure game genre. Hmm. Roberta Williams Phantasmagoria. Hmm. Um, this game was hmm. somewhat infamous when it came out because of how controversial mm-hmm. it was. Um, apparently, it got banned, it got banned in places, Australia. Right? You can't even get this game in Australia yeah. <laughs> because it's so <laughs> offensive. So, yeah. um, I don't know. Like I've heard different different things about it. Some people say it's a classic. Some some people say it's Roberta Williams' best game, including King's Quest VI. Um, which mm-hmm. you know would shock me if this game was better than King's Quest VI. Um, <laughs> yeah, because that's a that's a really solid game. Other people say that this game has not aged well. That it was a disaster mm-hmm. in terms of game design. <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah.
1: It kind yeah. of came, it kinda came out
0: at the cusp of like the FMV craze in the mid-90s when everybody figured out that they could include actors and in full-motion video in their games. So, As well as bad CG-rendered scenes. I've been morbidly curious about this game for a really long time just because of how disgusting it looks. No, I'm not talking about the violence <laughs> and the gore. I'm talking about like the <clears throat> backgrounds that are rendered like missed level or worse. And then you have these... Mm. like actors on a blue screen that are superimposed into these fakey looking like cg backgrounds it looks so weird and bizarre it's gotta be it's like it's almost like someone might almost do this today and just make it a deliberate art style just because it's so odd yeah it's definitely weird. so i'm looking forward to it I've, on that level that... um yeah i'm i'm anticipating it being bad <laughs> like We ranted a lot about Simon the Sorcerer, but Simon the Sorcerer is, you know, widely hailed as a, you know, a classic. It's 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 a fun fun game. game. I'm not expecting to have fun with this. I'm expecting it to be bad and groan-worthy. I'm expecting it to be a grind. Like, it's probably really long. It it came out on, like, seven CDs, but that may have just been because of Uh, all of the animation. So, uh, yeah. um, We're going to suffer through this game for Halloween, we're going to suffer the spooks for you guys. If you want to jump in with us, uh, send us... Suffer, suffer with, with us. us. through Phantasmagoria. If you want to send us your reviews of this game, if you kind of disagree with us leaning towards saying this is going to be a terrible game, send us your thoughts about Phantasmagoria <laughs> to podcast at com, and uh, we will... It is also available on oh, Good Old Games, right? Yeah, if you want to play with it, or if you want to play with us on Phantasmagoria... Uh, for the podcast and then send us your thoughts it's available on good old games for $10 so so. yeah it's readily available which it wasn't for years but you know it's available Mm now Um, so yeah that's next month send us us your feedback for Phantasmagoria do we want to talk about future episodes after that because we kind of got the schedule booked for quite a while (laughs) Just to give people a taste of what to look forward to. What's what's to come? come? For the rest of this year, at least. Um, In November, we're going to be recording our ninth episode. So we have scheduled Mm -hmm. to play the DS classic adventure game, 999. Which, as I understand it, that's not actually the name of the game, right? It's uh, like Zero Escape, Nine Hours, Nine Doors, Nine Persons or something. So because it's the ninth episode, it's going to be 999. Mm Mm-hmm. It at Phil's behest. Yes. It is it it is a reasonably solid game. I enjoyed it. I'm interested to see it's one of those games that you play it and you enjoy it, and then you get very angry at it, and then you enjoy it again. And then you're like, who else can I induce pain and suffering <laughs> upon? So so Elliot is our next our next victim. Yes, and I'm I'm looking forward to it. Um and then <laughs> the last episode of the year, Anton's requested that we play the cave. Which is the Ron Gilbert-designed double-fine adventure game direct-control Maniac Mansion spelunking thing. Just to say, it's a game that basically needs to be played multiplayer. Like, you gotta have two people... Can you get through it in one sitting? On the couch. Yes. Okay, so maybe what we should just do is well, wait till we're yeah. all together, and then... That's what I was gonna say. We gotta, we should just get get together some weekend and... Be, cave yeah. binge. Like, you can... Well, see, the thing is you can play through the whole game in one one sitting like in like 2 to 3 hours, but then it's like each each of the characters has their own little story. So you have to play multiple times to really appreciate it. it. Yeah, to get all get everything that there is. Right. Yeah. So, so yeah, but it's it's really good. I it's very so We fun. got Phantasmagoria, we got 999, and we got the cave. So what, what are some of the other games we talked about? I don't even remember. Well, that. after, after, <laughs> what's what's on the on the nebula? When we get into list? next year, then it's a little bit more uh, fluid. We can kind of move stuff around. We're kind of set for the rest of this year on these games, but games that we've talked mm-hmm. about playing for next year include Broken Age, because we keep referring to it. Um, Shadowgate uh, 64, which Anton discovered. <laughs> um, <laughs> no. Beyond Zork, which is another full-motion video travesty. <laughs> um, the Curse of Monkey Island, because we want Phil back. Uh, okay. <laughs> Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney, which, come on, everybody loves mm-hmm. Phoenix Wright. Uh, yeah. Resonance and Deponia, which Anton, both of those Anton recommended. And, oh, yeah. and Gabriel Knight yeah. 1, which Anton also recommended. Yeah. So... Those are games we're considering playing in the coming months. If you have suggestions for us, send it to podcast.roodjoyfilms.com and we will consider it as long as it's not Leisure Suit Larry. (laughs) We will give you a number, get in line. Leisure Suit Larry, you get number infinity. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes. So, uh, we will see you guys next time after we have completed, hopefully, Phantasmagoria. Uh, or else or, or else we will come back and complain about how we couldn't finish it we just couldn't bring ourselves to finish it one of the two you will be in suspense for the next month yes so um we will talk to you guys later keep, keep it i never creepy. know how to wind these down we... keep keep-y didn't, creepy. Did, didn't keep didn't phil keep, have some keep on didn't phil have some little thing that he used to say on the old episodes
1: I don't if, remember. I, I don't like remember.
0: Keep on adventuring or something, or never yeah. stop clicking. We'll... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We'll just just go back for one of the old podcasts and get, just cut off a clip of Phil say. Okay, it that's how we'll it end in it here. Okay. All right. Bye. Until, Until next, next time. Bye. Bye. Keep adventuring. Really?